Today's podcast is sponsored by our amazing friends over at Adorama. Adorama is one of the best electronic retailers specializing in photo and video equipment. They also have a rad blog and video series highlighting content creators called Through the Lens, which you can find on their YouTube channel. We've partnered with Adorama to offer free education through the AOV Academy. So head over to aovacademy.com for free online courses in photo and video. What's happening, everyone? It's Prince here with Art of Visuals, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. This is the first episode of the 2019 New Year. Very excited to be with you guys. Going to be stepping up the, the podcast this year. We're going to be recording more episodes. We got a new mic, so the quality of the podcast should sound a lot better. And today we have a very special guest to kick off the 2019 season. Uh, he is a freelance photographer based in New York City. One of my close friends, I recently did a big event out in New York City with Paul. Paul Seibert is today's guest. He also goes by at Beholding Eye on Instagram. Uh, stand-up guy, phenomenal, phenomenal character, hilarious, big personality, and just a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited to have you here today with me, Paul. How you doing, brother? Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Always been a art of visuals fan, just lover for 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 many many years. So uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, absolutely, absolutely. So for those that don't know, Paul and I sat on a panel this summer for an Adorama Gallery event that uh, we had teamed up with Art of Visuals and Adorama, and had a really really awesome show. Had a great talk, and then after the event, Paul had invited me out to to do a little aerial tour of New York City and the weather. Do you tell them the story? The weather was looking terrible, but I had faith. I yeah. had faith that the that the gods are gonna grant us a, a beautiful flight. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was kind of an overcast summer summer day in New York. Um we weren't yeah like you said we weren't really sure whether or not we were gonna get off the ground and thankfully you know the rain held off but we were flying over New York City and just there were these these pockets of these low-lying clouds that those are some of those moments that like like you and I were talking before this about these moments that stick in your mind um, where we kind of were flying towards the Empire State Building and got we went through a cloud and the entire aircraft went white for a second. And I remember we all just looked around at each other and or just like, oh my gosh! So it was, it was really unique shooting. Yep. And just it was a great time having everybody um, who was in the panel on board and flying around, taking in the sights. Yeah, that was a blast. And we had Josh Parrott with us. We had Michael Bonacore, uh, my buddy Donish, yourself. That was a lot of fun. And dude, I still need to, I need to put those photos up. I mean, I got some really nice stuff. But I mean, I, you know me, I don't post too much on my personal but this year i'm changing that right, right. I started off the new year with the post baby i got one in and so yeah nice <laughs> uphill from here so paul like i said stoked to have you man why don't you give the community a little bit of a background on you okay so i've been a photographer freelance photographer uh give or take for the last nine ten years now um it was slow and steady. I'm a, I'm a long game type of guy, so my growth may look small, slower than others, but 
it's always moving in the upward direction, which is all I care about. Um, I don't care about jagged kind of, if you're looking at a graph, I don't want peaks and valleys. I want, I want a nice smooth incline up. So I started out weddings, family shoots, uh, anything that basically when I made the decision, uh, to become a photographer, anything that, that paid the bills. So the life of a landscape cityscape photographer is not such that it's sustainable unless somehow you've you've done the impossible so you you as a freelancer you have to adapt you have to learn um you have to find out where it is that you can sustain your household while you're learning and growing all at the same time so like i said i've been doing that for about 8 or 9 years and what you see on Instagram is really just a byproduct of what I'm doing in my, you know, for fun in my, in my downtime. Um, and about, let's see, three and a half, four years ago, uh, a friend of mine called me and asked me to come on an air to air shoot, which is two helicopters flying next to each other over Manhattan. Um, it was something that I've always wanted to do being on Instagram for, you know, I have to be on there for at least four or five years now. So seeing the greats like Jason M. Peterson, Jose Silva, you know, Miss Hatton, Marzenka, all those people flying with New York on air and be, be being given that opportunity, I, I, you know, I jumped on it. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to, I've never been in a helicopter before and I wasn't sure how I was going to handle it. So we took off and, you know, did a little, 10 second gut check and everything was all good, <laughs> you know, then, then it's to work, but it, it definitely lit a, a fire in me to want to continue that type of photography. So a couple of months after that, I was asked to, to sign on as a contributing photographer. Um, and I had that relationship with Fly Nyon for a number of years and that turned into me, uh, becoming their director of digital content for, the last five, six months and 2019, you know, I took a step back from that full-time role to continue cultivating my own brand and business. So it's been, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing amount of opportunity and learning in a relatively short period of time. It seems like it goes by quickly, but I think, I think, you know, we are, we're always learning. We should be at least. Right, right. No, absolutely. Uh, that stuff's beautiful, and I can't wait to get in, uh, get into some of the aerial heli photography stuff uh, a little bit later on. But I'm curious, you know, how did you get into photography? How did you start? Um, well, it was about 2008 or nine. Uh, my wife and I were going out to Santa Fe for one of her friend's weddings. And I had this little Canon power shot point and shoot, you know, I was super jazzed because it was like eight megapixels and I had an LCD screen on the back. So I was, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Right. right? Um, so, but I'd never been out to New Mexico before and Santa Fe. And I've never seen those types of landscapes, that type of architecture. It was all amazing to me. So I was taking these pictures and when we returned and I was, you know, put them on the computer and I was looking at them. I had no idea, you know, it was just dumping them into iPhoto, you know, it wasn't like I had any, any idea how to treat pictures. So I was looking at them and realizing like, wow, like this was amazing. Like I really loved taking pictures and it reminded me, you know, when I was in high school, I took 
you know, manual photography mm-hmm. class. And I, I, I learned on a manual photo- film camera. So I had all the knowledge somewhere in there. I just kind of had to tap into it again. Right. But after that trip, I just kind of started taking the camera everywhere I went until I reached a point where I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. And I took my images to the only photographer that I knew, which was our wedding photographer. And she was more like fashion photographer. She'd been published in magazines and things of that nature. So, you know, she's going to know whether or not they're good pictures or not, hopefully. But she, she said, you know, this is, these are great. I'd start to work on, you know, your depth of field or your framing and things of that nature. And learning more about photography aspect tonight so i said okay well because i'm just and i pulled i had my little <laughs> my little point to shoot in my backpack with right. me and i was like well because i'm just shooting with this and she said well go out and get a full frame camera and learn everything you can about it and that's basically like the next week i went out and bought you know a canon 5d oh, wow. full frame and with a 24 to 105 f4 lens and uh i i did everything i could with it so that's really how it the progression started. It just happened to be a chance trip out to New Mexico that kind of relit the the flames again. Dude, that's beautiful. So it, it sounded like you had a mentor in in some way in the early days of your photography journey. How did that How did that help you? You think? I think I think in in any type of creative art form, whether it's whether it's music, you and I can speak on music as well as photography. Um, but there's, there's a part of whatever you're sharing. That's a part of you. You know what I mean? You're, you're putting that out there kind of hopefully with some humility and some, and, and just saying like, I hope that you're enjoying Mm -hmm. this, um, as much as I enjoy it. So there's a little bit of, I think, insecurity in that creation. And, or at least there should be, I feel like there should be some sort of, a humility in that. Um, if it's a true this expression, is my perspective, right? If it's a true, What's so that? if it's a true expression of yourself, then there's that correct you know, humility. I think what a mentor does is allows you to take ownership of what it is that you've created, and if you're proud of it, they allow you to be proud of it in a way that saying yes, but also there's that constructive criticism that you're hoping is there so that it's not just like, Hey, great job. Right. You know? Okay. So where do I go from here? Like I want great job, but try this, this, and this, you know? So you, you had your little point and shoot, you upgraded to the 5d, the 24 to 105. You had this mentor that kind of is like, Hey, you need to work on your perspective. You need to work on uh, depth of field. You need to, you know, work on these different, things and so you started shooting like a madman uh and creating nonstop. at what point what was that i guess that catalyst where you're like oh wow like this isn't just a hobby like i can make a career out of this or i can start making some money doing this you know what was that 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 turning point i think for me it was you know we thankfully I took up the craft, you know, probably around, you know, just before Instagram took off and, and, um, social media became a real kind of platform for anything that you want to do. You could, you could put out there and say, this is what I want to do. I think the catalyst behind it was just sharing on Facebook, my images and 
hearing time and time again that people were moved by the images and then starting to think like, what's, what could I actually do? And then I think a couple years after I, maybe a year or so after I got my first camera, my sister-in-law was getting married and they asked me to take the pictures at their wedding. And so I said, sure, I'll do it. You don't have to pay me. You just have to, you know, maybe you could just buy me this lens as payment. So they bought me a 70 to 200 lens. Smart. So now I had, so now I had two lenses in my bag and I realized, okay, I can, I can do this. I know I've always been someone who, who watches people and, and takes in when I'm new to a situation, especially when I'm, I was younger, my first inclination would always be to kind of just sit back in the corner and just watch what was going on and like, okay, I got this guy. I know this guy. Okay. I see this guy over here. I see this, you know, like, uh, I don't know what it was about it, but I, I, it, it made me feel a little bit more comfortable engaging with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I had that aspect of how my mind worked. So I knew that w- shooting weddings and the, and capturing the moments that people say like, Oh, that's so, you know, that's, that's my mom. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. Like you don't even know her. You just met her today, but you captured her in that moment. That's totally her. Right. You know, like I, 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 that's what I love about shooting weddings is getting that, that feedback from those candid moments where you're just, if you're aware of things that are going on, you're going to capture those moments. Yeah. I love how you talk about being aware because it's almost like this, this certain level of emotional intelligence, right. And intuitiveness to be able to come into a space that's new to you and foreign with a group of people that are also new to you and foreign. And your goal as a photographer is not only to take great images, but it's also to be, to be able to feel the energy of the place, to be able to quickly understand who is important to the bride. Who's important to the groom? Who are her best friends? Who's her mother? Who's who's the beloved, you know, f- childhood friend? Or and like, and you need to understand who these key people are because you got to be there to capture those moments. And nothing's worse than when a photographer hands you a bunch of photos back of of the friends that you're like, dude, those are just the people at the wedding. Like, where are the like, where are my real loved ones? At? You know? Yeah, and yeah. So it's, yeah. Thanks for hanging around table seventeen yeah. all night. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, yeah. it's it's really cool to hear you uh, to talk about that, and and because it, it just goes to show you that being a photographer, a good photographer, is so much more than just being able to take a a nice image. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the and and you and I we well we all talked about this on the panel on the Art of Visuals panel with Adorama. We we talked about the fact that. You know, we went down the line and people were like, yeah, I shot weddings and yeah, I've done this and I did that. And I was at the end of the line and I was like, what the heck? Like I shoot weddings and it's because I shot, I shoot weddings and I had to learn how to adjust all my settings, how to, how to move, how to react, how to see things that I can do what I do and change everything that I need to change in a, in a split second in a helicopter. Like I, if I didn't have the experience as being a wedding photographer, and seeing something and being able to change for the light that's maybe different 90 degrees away from where I was originally just a second and a half ago, I wouldn't get the shot. Right. So to me, that is just an incredible aspect of wedding photography that that the evolution of my photography is so connected to wedding photography. So the things that you see me do in a helicopter are because I had this kind of in the line of fire type of training 
where I had to. I, I shoot everything in manual. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a shutter priority or an aperture priority. You know, I'm I shoot in manual autofocus, obviously. Well not obviously, but autofocus because there's no way. There's just no way. I don't I don't have it like that. And if somebody else does, God bless them. That's amazing. But but I, I want to be in control of everything right. um, as much as I can. And um, <clears throat> Weddings has made it a possibility for me to shoot in that style um, so that I know that I'm getting the images as close to what they can be in camera right. so that I'm, I don't have to do as much I never, in post. I never really thought about like Weddings. It, it really is like the perfect – full immersion into photography like if you want to get good quick start shooting weddings it's like i mean every wedding is a is a super bowl event you know you're it's not it's the big leagues every time there's a wedding it's not i mean it's easy to go out and get dudded shooting landscapes or a quick portrait shoot with friends it's not that serious you know you're not you don't feel pressure or anything like that but with weddings it's like it's a very serious moment you have to deliver and uh, being able to take that type of experience and, like you said, apply it to shooting from a heli or any other type of circumstance, you're like, dude, this is easy. You know, I don't. Have, I'm not worrying about a bride and her mother. You know, right? Wanting to bury me because I missed every. You know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that's. I never really thought about that. It's almost like probably one of the best ways to to really immerse yourself into photography and to get good quickly is probably to shoot weddings. And it's the easiest way to. It really is get because paid. I mean, if on a normal wedding day, it's like you you know you're outside. You could be in a church where there isn't a lot of light, so then you're using flash photography, and you have to figure out how to how do I optimally light this so it looks, you know, wh- the way my pictures usually look at weddings. And then you're going back outside, and you know you're dealing with a whole group of people who you've never met before. You know, there's right. groomsmen who, you know, all they, they just want to be there and they just, you know, we got to take pictures. Like, I just want to go and drink. And you're like, yeah, this is my job. And so you learn how to deal with people. You learn, you learn planning and time management. You learn how to be a photographer for each and every moment. And there, there are fewer things that I take more seriously than capturing someone's wedding day because, you miss one moment and all your work, no matter how much work you put into it, whether it's a, a 10 hour day and then you're spending, you know, 30, 40 hours editing and culling and, and getting these images out to people. You miss one moment, the moment that they really wanted to see and nothing else matters. Right. That's new. No, big facts. Big facts. Definitely not for everyone. So I want to talk a little bit about some inspiration type stuff. Who inspires you as an artist? Hmm. As an artist, uh, there's a lot of people I think out there, whether or not they're, they are my core group of friends that I shoot with. Actually, I feel like I get the most amount of inspiration from people who I haven't even met yet or people like just scrolling through, you know, the explore page and seeing something and being like, oh my gosh, you know, I think someone, uh, who stands out in my mind is Carl Shakur. His his stuff is just so thoughtful and so well planned out. And it's it's a way of thinking that for me, I don't necessarily know that I have that ability to think that far ahead in my photography. Right. So I appreciate that so much. 
And I don't, I've never even met him before, but it's somebody who I've been following for a long time. And there's times when, you know, I only just started recently commenting on this stuff just because every time I see it, I think I'm just put like, I'm, I go down a rabbit hole of thought, Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like the colors, everything, the angles, like he's in the right place at the right time all the time. And I know it's because there's so much planning and so much research that goes into his work right. that I, uh, he's definitely somebody who inspires me, um, to change my thought patterns and how I'm. I'm doing, I'm, I'm photographing things. Right. No, that's, that's always exciting to find people that challenge you to, uh, grow in different ways to where, you know, for you, it might be on the pre-production side. It's like, Hey, I'm a great photographer, but I've never really spent a ton of time planning things. And maybe I could elevate my photography further if I spent, you know, an hour or two before shoots, you know, scouting locations or finding the angles before I get there rather than finding them once I'm there. And there's a lot of different things I think we could all do to, to continue to progress. And I think it's good to be in that mindset. Otherwise, sometimes you feel like it's hard to grow. You're like, I'm already really good. And, you know, maybe your growth isn't necessarily on the technical side of photography. It's on the, the post-production or it's on the pre-production planning. And so there's always ways to grow. I think we just got to look beyond. And I think Carl's definitely an inspiring person. Uh, I think he has a great attitude too, which makes him extremely likable and easy. He's always so full of energy and it has such a good vibe to his, his work and his presence his his write-ups and everything from down to his descriptions. It just makes you, uh, he's a beacon of light. It's hard not to cling to him, which is why he's, yep. you know, which is why he's growing quickly and, and opportunities are coming his way because he's a shining light and like flies were attracted to what he's doing. And that's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, uh, there's, there are people out there that I think, um, just continuing on the thought of, of who inspires mm -hmm. me. I think, I think from my early days of wanting to be, you know, a member of that fly nigh on New York on air community that Jason M. Peterson, obviously is somebody who stands out to me, I've always loved black and white photography. So right. what he does and how he, constructs his images how he edits them how there's just the perfect amount of contrast and light and shadows um it, it he's definitely obviously somebody who has been one of those people that you know you aspire to at least take something from their photography and let it be a part of your own creative process i think i think the people that inspire us I think if you're healthy and you want to, and you're an individual, the people that inspire us don't necessarily like, I don't want to go out and take the same shot as somebody. I don't, you know, like if I'm going to the same place that Carl's going or Jason M. Peterson is like, I don't want to come away with the same thing that he's, he's done. Right. right? I think the people that inspire us are going to contribute to our own creative process mm -hmm. So that here's my ball that's already rolling, right? And if I'm standing next to this guy, I'm definitely looking over his shoulder and seeing what he's doing and seeing like, wow, like I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. um, which is, I, I think, how Instagram and social media really helped me grow is standing next to somebody else who was doing the same thing. Why does this picture look different than mine? Mm -hmm. 
your perspective. Everyone's perspective is different, right? But if you can own your own perspective and then take bits and pieces of those people who are, who inspire you, then you can't lose. It's like ingredients. You're not trying to, you're not, you know, Hey, I don't want your recipe. I'm very happy with the recipe that I have, but I've been using table salt and I just saw that you're using Himalayan sea salt. I'd like to try, you know, I'm going to try that ingredient. I liked that. That's you right. Know, let me add a little sprinkle. And now you've elevated your own work just by adding. And, and that I think that's the cool thing about art and, and creativity is I think it's about looking at the creations and, and what people are doing and just taking an ingredient, you know, here and there when it makes sense. But knowing that the real umph of what you do does come from, you know, within, right? That's not something you can't find your style somewhere like that for it to be your style it truly has to come from within you know absolutely absolutely yeah and, yeah. and so i guess now that we're talking about style i just brought style of i'm curious what do you think is like a like what do you think makes your style your style like what makes a paul siebert photo hmm um i think for the last <clears throat> cybert sorry mess that up that's yeah, all good don't worry I got everybody though, cybert okay. oh. <laughs> quick catch <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think there's two, uh, elements, two or three elements that I think I want to be in my pictures. One, I want them to be clean. I want to be sharp. I want beyond reproach. Like you're zooming in and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize like you could, that was something that was, that's what I want. I want it sharp. I want it clean. Whether or not I'm on a tripod or I'm handheld and I'm going a hundred miles an hour in a helicopter, I want every image to be just as clean as the one before secondly i think i think two and three work together but i'm someone when i'm editing or when i'm taking an image so first of all when i'm taking an image like i'll expose for highlights but i i i ride a thin line of whether or not those highlights are too bright that i can't see into the shadows i want to still be able to see into my shadows I don't want it just a black spot in my images. So a big element of my style is still being able to catch, even if it's just a glimmer of something or an outline of a shape that the light is touching in the shadow, to let you know that there's still depth there. I didn't abandon everything just to get the clouds perfect in the sky. I'm not a bracket guy. I'm not, you know, like I want to get everything right in a frame. Um, and then thirdly, I think for the last about 18 months, I've really been working on shooting where setting up my frames and my images where you're seeing um, a directionality of light. Like light is coming, light is moving. So we should be able to capture that and have that light kind of direct your eye around the frame to the, to the key areas that you're i want you to look at right so those three things you know sharpness and clarity the direction of light of a light source and kind of and 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 detail in my shadows while properly exposing for highlights so uh i definitely see that and as soon as you said sharpness to the beginning i started laughing in my head because your photos seriously are so they're so sharp they're tack sharp. And I, and I love that. And, and I'm curious, you know, do you have any tips for other <laughs> photographers that are, you know, 
are having trouble getting their, you know, photographs as sharp as, you know, as they'd like them to be without a tripod. Ooh. I mean, obviously, you know, we could shoot on a tripod, but is there anything else that you do or any other little rules that you kind of live by? I think, uh, uh, are you, did you say, I'm sorry, did you say on a tripod or not on not a tripod? On a, not on a tripod. Night on a tripod. Okay. Because most mean, people don't, you know, I mean, you rarely see people shooting on, on tripods. Most people are shooting handheld nowadays. Yeah. I think um, you have to, it, it goes back to understanding kind of the fundamentals of photography, like the relationship between your ISO, your aperture, and your shutter speed. Um, if you don't understand that, and if you don't have a, a picture in your mind of what your image your image wants to look at, uh, wants to look like, you're, you're going to be lost. So if you're, if you're shooting street photography or you're shooting a wedding or you're shooting, you know, from a helicopter, certain light conditions are going to determine what you can do. I think the, the sharpness of an image is just basically, were you able to lock yourself into place, um, and be a steady platform for your instrument to capture this tool so your shutter speed or or even if you have to cheat your shutter speed because you don't want um your iso to start to go beyond a certain point right. um and start to get noisy um you're going to you know you you, you want to be stable you want to be ready and that goes into thinking about you know what it is you're doing before you're actually setting out to do it right so Something that I say to a lot of photographers as they, they they came in, you know, to the Fly Nyon hangar is even if you're a photographer or even if you're you've done aerial photography before, um, it's so much easier when you go up and I say have five shots that you absolutely have to get five, that's it, like that that you have to crush. Your exposure is right. Your your shutter speed is perfect so that everything is crisp and clean. You're framing. You're, you're looking. I mean, you're in a helicopter. You're moving quickly, but you still have the ability to, to, to mark out your tire. Okay, so we're coming up on my, on my first shot. Right. Let me make sure all my exposure and everything is right because when you're going by, you have two or three seconds, and that's it, like to get that perfect frame. Yeah, it's quick. Um, it's quick, and people are just kind of like, oh, I didn't realize, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's not it's not as easy as you know. You're not just gonna sit there and hover. Yeah, um, it's like a wedding. It's like um, moments. Yeah, it's a, it's the moment, and you have to be prepared for that moment. And I say get five shots because if you're thinking about those five shots, you're coming and you get them. You're coming away and you're thinking, so dope. I got everything I wanted to get right. Instead of going and shooting everything reactively. And hoping that you get something in the midst of everything, because you're up in the air like that. There's so much adrenaline. There's so much, you're you're orienting yourself like, okay, so here's my landmark. I know where that is. So with the, oh oh, there's that building, and then it's gone. Right? Yep. You didn't get your shot because you didn't take the time to think about what it is. Why are you here? I felt um, a little like that when we were. <laughs> when we, what's I, said, I felt a little like that when we were flying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's. I didn't. I didn't look into any shots. I didn't think about anything beforehand. Uh, so once we were up there, it was almost. You're right. The adrenaline's flowing. Uh, you're kind of panicking to some extent because everything's happening so quick. And on top of that, I also didn't have a native lens, so I was 
in manual, like I was actually manually racking my focus, which was really your beast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it still worked out. But ha- now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wow, like I totally should just go into like I'm going to take your advice, and next time I go out to shoot, I'm just going to think of you know what are four or five shots that I really want to get, and then see what happens from there. But rather than just going out and just off the whim, more or less, more time in pre-production yeah. and less just like letting the universe, you know, take control of whatever they put in front of you. Right. Because even, even in those moments where, you know, like I'm in a helicopter and I'm here for a reason because somewhere in your mind, you've seen a shot, right. Mm. That you're like, that's sick. I want to try that. Right. Right. Whether or not it's the same exact shot or whatever, there's something that drove you to be like, yes, I want to do that because that's amazing. Um, if you're coming out of it and all of your shots are just look like insanity, right? And nothing is as, as sharp as you want it um, because you spent the whole time kind of back and forth looking all around and shooting. If you have those five, I always say get those five and then let everything else be gravy. Right. Because the last <laughs> thing you want to do is be like, I, I just went up there and I shot and I felt like an insane person and I don't know if I got anything. Right. And instead of it being an incredible experience, it was something where you're like, I don't really think that through. And you're disappointed. Yeah. And that disappointment is attached to that. I don't know if I don't know this is for me. When all you had to do was think about three or four things, you know, I say five because most people are up there for a half an hour. And if you can get five shots, Mm -hmm. but. And I think there's a place um, for that too. I, I, I think for more experienced photographers, uh, I, you know, like I noticed that I take way less photos than I used to, you know, and confident. And I don't even have to check my photos. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, I used to always look at every single photo and, you know, now whether it's a shoot or this or that, I just go out and can take my shots here and there and then walk away and, and feel confident and know when I get home that I'm going to have not as many photos to go through and then I'm going to have the shots that I wanted. But I think in the early days for a lot of people, um, you know, sometimes it, you do need to spray and pray to learn because if you're only taking a handful of shots, it's like the reality is like you're just not that good to take to go out and take 40 shots because there's a good chance that all 40 are <laughs> not going to be that good. Yeah, yeah. And so, no, 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 look, there's, there's definitely uh, – So I think it depends a, on your level uh, more or less, yeah. right? I, I definitely – I think so, yeah. But I think that you if you go thoughtful. in regardless so – You that? can still be thoughtful no matter what your level – but just know that yeah. depending on what your level is, you 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 need to probably take more or less yeah. shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To... definitely. Yeah, I think I think, but I think going like I said, like you're saying, going out with that mindset of I want to take some thoughtful shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially if you're invested in what you're doing, you know, there's a time when it becomes when something you know you go from being you know, this is a hobby to maybe, you know, I don't know, like an enthusiast is the next step up from a hobbyist. I don't know. Um, and then you're going into like, well, maybe I can do this, you know, whether it's a side gig or whether it's going to be my full time, but there comes a point when you're at a level in your development where there has to be a change in your thought process, Right. how you approach something because you want your product to be, you know, for me, I appreciate all the growth that has happened through the years, but 
dude, I go to my parents' house and I see the pictures that they have up on their walls from me from, you know, four or five years ago. And I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, please, we got to get you some new pictures. <laughs> These are terrible, you know? Um, but it's all part of that process of growing and learning and um, where you're at. But yeah, I think there's an appreciation for where you were, but there's also should be a level of, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I feel like when you, when you say I'm there, like you've shot yourself in the foot. Oh yeah. And we should always be growing. There is no there. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no ending for art. There's no conclusion. There's no, there's no, you've made it. It's, it's infinite. Creation is infinite. And so as an artist, as a musician, photographer, whatever you may be, uh, there is no holy girl of I, you know, I can't do anything else. I'm yep. as I'm as good as it can get, you know, and that just doesn't. And that's the cool thing about art, you know, it's a lifelong journey of nonstop growth and creation. In its yeah, it's a form. it's a it's an expression of of where you are in that moment in your life as well, too. Yeah. So if your if your art hasn't changed for you know a year or two years, have like, you changed? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, are you are you where? Are you, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, are you healthy? Yeah, let's talk about health. You know, I love it. Move us right on yeah. into the next thing, healthy. So this year I wanted to spend a little more time talking about personal development and things like that. So like what are what are some routines that you have, Paul? And I know you're a busy dude. And so being busy, living in a busy place, uh, having a lot of work and different things going on, what routines do you utilize throughout your days, weeks, months to – remain healthy physically mentally spiritually yeah i mean that's an incredible question for the most part my wife and i in the mornings uh she we we are we're lucky that we're we're lucky and cursed i guess um that we're both small business owners right so we have the ability to make our own schedules but we're responsible for our own schedules at the same time so we prioritize time in the morning to to read scripture and to talk about it, whether or not we're just reading a chapter of something or we're reading a book that is a, of a subject that we are, you know, is linked to, you know, our core value system. We, we read something, we talk about how that must have been then and how it can affect us in our real world life now. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it it brings a level of um, awareness that life should be more than just what's going on with me. Mm. It it's it's and especially being a photographer, if I'm not aware of how people are acting or their little cues, whether it's you know a shrug that they're uncomfortable or not a lot of eye contact or, you know, or somebody who is very open. Um, if I don't pick up on those things, if I'm not sensitive to that and wanting to accommodate those people, um, then how can I capture their essence? So, um, spiritually, that's kind of what we do. We have our, we have our readings in the morning and we, we take some time to talk and then just kind of pray for our loved ones each and every day so that we are all, setting out on the day 
in the best way that we can. We're not going into it as where are my keys? What's this? Oh my gosh, I'm 20 minutes. You know, like, no, we, we make time, we prioritize time for things that are going to keep you healthy. And for, for me and my wife, it's definitely that, that spiritual, um, nature is definitely a huge part of our life. And then, you know, um, right. I'm in my 40 real quick. I have a funny story yeah. just because I loved how you were like, you know, instead of waking up and being like, where are my keys? And I, like starting yeah. the day on that note, I had an interesting uh, conversation with a friend over this holiday break. And I was back home spending time with family and I was talking about my morning routines and why my morning routines are so important and why I get up so early and what I'm doing during that time. As I was walking, I was, you know, I happened to be up walking through one of my, my grandfather's neighborhood about. 6 37 in the morning one morning and uh walking around the blocks in circles and this guy comes out of his garage and i'm talking to my girlfriend on the phone and all of a sudden she just kind of hears like this smack and i start laughing and she's like what happened i'm like i'm like this guy just opened up his garage and totally just like in a rush to get out of the house just smashed right into the car that he had parked right behind his garage oh. with, you know which was his other vehicle and I just laughed. I was like, I was like, how do you, I was like, if he had a, a morning routine, that would have never happened. Any conscious human being that was up and had time and took care of themselves and loved themselves and fed <clears> themselves <throat> and, 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 and did those things, they would be thinking so much more clearly when they opened the garage, they would have clearly saw that, Hey, there's a vehicle right behind yep. me. But when you don't make time and, and that's kind of how your life turns into, like when you don't have an, a morning routine, you often start your day on that that madness note of whether it's crashing your car or losing your keys or waking up your wife frantically screaming, where's this, where's that? And it's just, yeah. uh, and it oftentimes sets the tone for the rest of the day, which is why I think morning routines are so important. So absolutely, I love that you shared that with us and I love that you do it with your wife. Cause it's important to also continue to build that, that sound loving and nurturing relationship between your loved one, no matter how long you've been together, whether it's a day or 200 years, you Truth. know, uh, maybe not 200, but uh, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah, 200 years. Jeez. <laughs> so what else you got going on? Any other? So that's your spiritual routine. Anything else that you I do? I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I try and go to the gym, you know, mm. three, four times a week. I don't, you know, I'm not breaking any records. How, how or, often do you get in what's there, that? honestly? How often do you honestly get in? Um, Two to three times a week. Okay, that's solid. Yeah. yeah. I can't do the gym. I just, I walk more or less. I've made a sacrifice and realized like I need to be moving, but I'm just not a weightlifting guy yeah. and I just don't enjoy the gym. Yeah. But I see for whatever reason, I feel like a lot of people try to force themselves to go to the gym when it's like, Hey, you could do anything else. You go ride a bike in the morning, every morning you could, yep. you know, do something that you do enjoy doing. It doesn't have to like be the gym. It's just like what most people do. Yeah, no, that's true. I think for me, the reason why I go to the gym is because for a number of years, um, a few years back, I would just, I worked out with a good friend of mine and it was like, we had just mm -hmm. had, we set up this whole thing in his backyard and whether or not it was, you know, 10 degrees out or a hundred degrees, if it was the day to work out and it was like a friendly, you know, competition type of yeah. that's, I need, I need that. I'm too lazy to, to, if I don't have somebody that I can go and, and, you know, bust chops with or something like that now, as I've gotten older, like I don't need it. I just know that like, if I'm sitting on the couch, like, I'm going to turn into a, a big bag right. of jelly and nobody wants that. So maybe, so maybe for, for anyone that doesn't have good habits and routines, it's like, Hey, maybe find an, a, a buddy or a friend 
to help hold you accountable, hold each other accountable. Absolutely. You know, put money on it, put a bet on it, do something and make it fun. It doesn't have yeah. to, it's not a burden, uh, especially once you start to see the results. Then you realize yeah. like, oh, my life is better because of these things that I'm doing daily. And then you don't need the silly gimmicky things to keep you doing it. You just do it because you're like, this is just how I get what I want out of it. You know, life. you feel better when you exactly. do it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you, what about uh, on the business side, how do you, how are you creating income? Um, for, I've been, I've been relatively blessed these, uh, these, these first few years where I have, it's been a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not an advertiser. I'm not a like, what do I have to do to get you into this car today type of guy? <laughs> um, you know, um, I want my work to stand for itself. Right. And I think that my images and just how, let's just put it this. Let me, let me, let me take a step back and explain to you my, my personal work ethic. It always comes from, I, anytime I'm taking a job or a job is offered to me, whether or not it was music in the beginning or, you know, I did a lot of manual labor um, in my 20s and early 30s. As a landscaper, I did a lot of tree work. I was not always a photographer. I did not always wear jogger pants. I wore Carhartts and, you know, boots and, you know, I have scars. Um, but anything that I was ever doing, my work ethic always came from my dad saying, if, if someone is paying you to do something, you give it 150%. You're there, you show up, you do it. That's always in my mind anytime I go out. Whatever type of job I have, whether or not it's a family shoot or it's headshots or it's a wedding or you know anything else that somebody wants to pay me to do, they've, they've put their faith in me and, and my talent and are assuming that I'm going to be as professional as I possibly mm-hmm. can. So that's my mindset every time I go out. So you don't half-ass anything paid if it's paid to you it doesn't matter what the price it's serious business and you are a professional and you're going to give it your all into every project yep and that's helped create yep. a lot i'm going to be i'm going to be there 15 to 20 minutes early i'm going to be set up i'm not going to be you know hey sorry i'm just gotta get oh no i forgot oh god you know like that's not me like i'm there mm-hmm. and my cameras are out and i'm waiting for you you know and it I can't stress enough how far that goes with people when they realize even if I didn't have the skill five or six years ago, Mm. I would show up and I would be ready and I would work and I would give it 110%. Anytime I do a wedding, I I hear at least four or five times in a night, I've never seen anybody work a wedding like you work. Like you're everywhere. I don't know how you're everywhere, but I see you everywhere and I don't know how you get from place to place because I'm always watching. I'm always moving. I'm waiting for these moments to unfold. And if I'm able to see it happening through a crowd, I can get myself around to get that shot. But if I'm not on like that 100% of the time, Mm -hmm. then I'm not doing my job. The same thing as it goes, as far as it goes for doing the stuff, you know, the cityscape stuff and the landscape stuff. If I'm not, I'm I'm a photographer, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm not up, like I went out this morning for a sunrise and it was a bust, but I went out because the situation looked like it could be good. Just missed it by that much. But um, if I'm not going out when everybody else is going to work, what's the difference between me 
and the enthusiast or the hobbyist. Right. There's nothing. Right. Like I got to go out even when I don't want to. No, true story. I, and I like the way I like the way you you've just kind of framed that in your mind and taken it to that professional level. Um, that's one of my goals is you know to never miss. And granted, I'm I'm up early, and if I do miss a sunrise, it's not because I'm not up. It's just because I'm already working and like in my office, yep. you know. But yeah, uh, there's something special about these certain times of the days and like if you truly are a professional and your thing is shooting the surf every morning then you should be out there every morning at whatever time the surf is where you live like you should be out there doing your thing uh i think it's just those types of habits that you know lead people to greatness um so outside of 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 that it sounds like most of your money comes from uh more of like client base work as in like weddings, portraiture type stuff. And then it sounds like your Instagram feed is more or less just like what you really enjoy doing. So you enjoy slaying the aerial shots and all that stuff, but you're not necessarily, <laughs> you know, making money off of that type of content. It's the content that you're not necessarily putting up on your Instagram. That's actually putting food on the table. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this year, 2018 was was a year where that changed. So I took on a, a full time job with Fly Nion, um for about, uh, oh geez, eight or nine months. In 2019, I'm looking to translate the work that you see on Instagram into other opportunities, um, not only to to literally feed my family, but to feed me creatively to go to these places that you know. As we started out talking about, you know, the Sierra Club calendar, like I want my own Sierra Club calendar. Right. You know what I mean? If I can turn that into, you know, financial gain, um, that's that's great. Right. I, I think the hardest part is kind of I'm an artist. I'm not a businessman. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't I have to learn. I've had to learn. But you are sometimes hard lessons. But you are a businessman. You're an artist. You're a business. You are what you what you say you are. True. Right. True. You're a smart it, dude. In the you classical know term of a business person, right. like I don't have that that acumen, that understanding of right. you know, I'm st- I'm I have to I had to learn all that stuff. Right. Is this worth it? Is this worth the you know the return on investment? Right. You know. Um, but it's good to be aware of that, right? It's nice. Oh, to absolutely. Be, it's nice to be aware that hey i may not be the best businessman that's perfect you're aware of it so now you understand that hey you should probably pick up a few books you should probably if you want to take this whole professional photography thing to the next level you understand that hey i kind of have to be a better businessman and i probably should be reading a little bit more and doing these things because i'm not naturally that guy i'm an artist and so yeah i think just being aware i don't think there's anything wrong with not being this or not being that, but I think being aware is like the first step in, in, in progress. Like you said, it's all about growth. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think knowing what you have to learn is just as important as, as knowing, knowing what you, you already know. Right, right? right. So, and just having that kind of humility to be like, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Yep. Let this be a learning opportunity. Yep. Like if I'm sitting in front of somebody who has, knowledge that i have no idea about like i'm i'm in it like i want to learn right and the old saying it's like the more you know uh or the more you learn the less you know right uh and i know that's i always feel like as i start to learn new things i'm just like oh my gosh there's so much more there's so much and then all of a sudden you're just like dude this is then you realize it's never ending just like art yeah just like it doesn't 
<laughs> nothing stops. Everything is just like, a, there's just rabbit holes all over the place. And it's just like, you got to pick what are your things and then climb in and enjoy the journey, right? Absolutely. Um, so you're talking about the Sierra Club and we're talking about how you want to, you know, historically speaking, you've been in New York City a large portion of your life and you're kind of known for that area. And you'd like to get out and, you know, get to the West Coast and get to the Southwest and South and all these other places. I'm curious, like, what do you think the advantages and the disadvantages are of being a East Coast-based photographer? Because I think about that sometimes. Like, it's very different. Like, I look at, you know, there's certain communities that are kind of more East Coast communities, and there's certain communities that are a little more West Coast communities. And I think there's always the overlap. But even when I look into people's pages or accounts, the types of people that I follow that are on the East Coast, they shoot a lot of different Mm -hmm. content than the type of people that I shoot with on the West Coast. And then when I meet these people in person, when I'm in New York City doing events and when I'm in San Francisco, it's just really interesting to me to just see the differences between coast to coast. And I've been wanting to ask this question as far as, you know, A, do you feel some of this and and see some of this and ever kind of feel like, hey, I'm I'm repping the East and then there's these guys that rep the West. It's almost like music. You know, you have like the West Coast hip hop. It's still hip hop, but West Coast hip hop is very different than East Coast, New York City, Philadelphia hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think being a resident of the, you know, the metropolitan area for my entire life, there's a certain, um, there's definitely a certain feel to New York. that you don't get anywhere else. There's a speed. There's kind of a like a like come on catch up kid type of uh, attitude. Um, I always explain New York to people in in a way because I think there's this mentality that you know New Yorkers are rude um, and they don't really care. Um, and I always explain it to people who are not from New York as New Yorkers will do anything for you as long as you can spit it out and like i don't need the backstory like just tell me you have a flat tire and you need help like sure let's go let's get it done you know like it's not like well i was driving and then i hit this <laughs> pothole like you lost me i'm done you know like <laughs> just spit it out let's get you sorted out and we can all be on our way so i think there's um there's that kind of desire and awareness of time in new york that is very time is time is time is a huge part in on the east coast mm-hmm. as far as speed goes what i've what i've known and what i've seen in my um in my little jaunts out to different areas of the country is that time is not as important um in a lot of other areas of the country Absolutely. um so for me being a New Yorker, that's a little bit alien. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as a photographer going into those situations, I have to be able to adjust my own perspective so that it is like, I'm ready to take a picture, you know, as opposed to like, Oh, like it's still unfolding. Like I thought it was going to be done by now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, there it is. Okay, good. You know, um, I think there's there's an incredible. It's something that I I I definitely desire to have more in my life is that space 
to experience instead of making sure that I'm ready for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I want to see it unfold in the time that it takes to unfold rather than just being like, okay, I'm ready. Waiting on you right. now, you know? <laughs> um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a different mindset. Absolutely. You know, it really Absolutely. is. And, and, and that's one thing I've noticed. Like when I'm traveling, when I go to New York city, like I have to, like I do have to prepare in a way. Um, and you know, and when I say prepare, I mean, it's more or less just like a mental preparation to where I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in New York. This is, you know, this is what it is. Like, I do need to be more direct. I need to be fast. I need to be this. And just because like, this is the environment that I'm, I'm going to play ball in a different environment. This isn't about not being myself. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about a being myself, but knowing that I need to alter these other characteristics about myself to go be able to perform in this new environment that is way different than the environment that I'm normally performing in. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think as far as photographically, do I feel like I'm, I'm repping, you know, the East coast in New York. I, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I pay too much attention to that. I feel like I mean, you hold it down. Obviously that's your home, but it's not, right. it's not, we're yeah. not, I'm not talking, we're not on some biggie pot type. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. We don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm more concerned with representing what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And if that comes through my images and New York happens to be my, my palette from which I'm deriving my inspiration from, mm-hmm. um, then so be it. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, like when, when you go somewhere, I think when you're outside of your, your home base, you feel like this is where I'm from. And this, uh, you compare everything to that. Right. You know, you're going to a different city. And for me, being from New York, anytime I go to a new city, I'm always just kind of like, oh, I thought there was going to be more. You know, every city is so much smaller, Mm -hmm. you know, with the exception of, you know, L.A. and Chicago. There's just like this. It's different. You know, it's different. So if you're prepared for it, like or just make sure you're prepared for it when you when you go um, somewhere else. Um, What's the culture? It's going like? to take a little bit longer. What's that? What would you say the culture's like out there in New York City on the, uh, as far as like the photography community? I mean, are, do you hang out with a lot of guys? Are guys nice? Are they open? Or is it a little more competitive? Is everyone just kind of focused on their own thing? Like, what's the culture kind of like? So the culture from here your perspective, is you, you're in it. You know, right? Yeah, I think for the most part, I've experienced positivity there is def there are definitely people um which is always surprising to me as an artist because i feel like if you're putting something out there as an artist Mm -hmm. um you're sharing part of your heart and there's a little bit of vulnerability to it um and sometimes you encounter people who you admire their work and don't necessarily admire them as a person Mm -hmm. that's always to me is a shock where i'm like oh man like your stuff is amazing and then i meet him i'm like all right you know, like, yeah. lesson learned. But I think for the most part, yeah, uh, it, there's definitely a competitive nature out here for sure. Mm. For sure. I'm competitive. I don't, I don't let it rule what I'm doing. But, yeah, there's a side of me that's, that's extremely competitive. 
because it's also a very professional marketplace, right? I mean, as far as being a professional photographer, there's probably no better place to be one than New York City. And there's probably no more, there's probably not more competition anywhere else than New York City. And so, and you guys are, and everyone, as far as that professional world, everyone's kind of still, they're all fighting for the same brand deals. They're all trying to get the Apple, to get the Adorama, the B&H, the this, the that, and the Sony and Nikon and because uh, you guys do have everything there, which is a blessing, but at the same time, it, there's a lot of great photographers all competing for that same, that yep. same stuff. Yeah. So I think definitely, I mean, and then obviously there's groups of people that, that shoot with one another more often than not. Mm. But I, I always try and kind of, you know, welcome all. And even, you know, to me, it doesn't, you know, like, because I think when I was coming up, I was always surprised that when I would reach out to somebody that had, you know, more followers than me and just say like, Hey, like, I really appreciate what you're doing here. When I wouldn't hear anything back from that person, even like a, Hey, thanks. Like, even though that person isn't going to remember my name or remember seeing, you know, or even go and and look like saying, I appreciate the time that it took for you to say thank you to me for sharing something with you. Like, I owe you at least a like thank you so much for for saying that mm-hmm. you know because that's that's why I'm right. doing what I'm doing especially if it's good energy I, I guess my rule of thumb is if anyone ever sends me like genuine energy I need to make the time to respond uh, if someone's just sending me if you're hitting me up and it's some nonsense you're trying to get this or trying to get featured or you just wanted to small talk about something that provides no, like yeah, there's a good chance you're going to get ghosted <laughs> and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to respond. I just, it's just the, you know, right. we're all busy and it's like, dude, like that was just a really bad message. I don't know what you want yeah. me to do here. Yep. Like, I don't understand why you wrote that to me. Like I have an idea of what you're trying to do, but like either way, like this doesn't deserve a response and therefore it's not going to get. One. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are definitely people that you are, you kind of read the stuff that's being sent to you and you're kind of like, uh, what's going on? You know, like, and even those situations, (laughs) like for me, I will try and give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Like I had somebody the other day start, start commenting on one of my pictures, uh, just about kind of like you stole this picture. Do you have a permit to take this picture? And I'm going to report you and all this stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) and so like my initial response, you know, in my head is like, what? what is happening? Like, who is this guy? I've never even seen this guy. This is the first time this person has ever commented anything. This is exciting. Hold on. This is exciting real quick. So we're, we're now we're talking about how to deal with haters. So you have someone that is in your space. Obviously they've got your attention now. And so how did you go about handling? Right. So the first, the first, my first response to them was kind of, you know, I just really wrote like, I'm really not sure if you're serious or not. You know, and I let them, (laughs) you know, because I don't want to jump to conclusions. You know, like, look, how many times you write an email or a text to somebody and they're like, why did you say that? You know, like, I didn't mean it It didn't come. I didn't mean to sound like that. You know, things get misconstrued. And when you're reading, you know, easily, you're putting your own emotional stuff into whatever somebody else is reading. If you don't know where that person's at. So I just said, like, I don't don't know if you're serious (laughs) or not. And he's like, I'm dead ass serious. And I was like, whoa, like, okay, well, then in that case. I said, you know, I didn't need a permit because I wasn't flying a drone. I was in a helicopter. So that's and I can assure you that, you know, no copyright laws have been broken because I'm the one who took the picture. So I don't know how you can report 
my image as being stolen for copywriting. Um, and so then it was just kind of like, he was like, Oh, Mr. Tough guy. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, so at that point I knew like I'm speaking with someone who like either just wants to change the course of my day or, or get a response from me. That's going to take me outside of who I tried to reflect who I am. We all get right. upset. We all get frustrated. Um, Right. They'll get angry and like, who's this guy type of thing. But right. if I let the easy road is to be like, you know what, buddy? Like, I don't. And so I just kind of like, I don't do this very often. And um, I hope he's not watching, but I just, I blocked him because I didn't, there wasn't a lot of energy to, I understood that you know, this wasn't a conversation. Yeah. This was right. him. When you're dealing with someone that's not a conscious being, it's easy to tell. And at that point, there is nothing you could say right. to this guy. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know if his wife just left him so he's angry and he just happened to get on Instagram and your photo is the first thing that popped up and he's now directing all his hatred and anger about his life at you because he's pissed because of whatever right. reason. You know, and that happens all the time, right? You, you you pull over in front of someone and you keep driving and they're freaking out. It's like you didn't I didn't cut you off, I just got over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. and you just have to realize everyone's in different places and, and no one I guess more or less, we all have to learn to not take things personally, right? Because no one does things to us. It's normally a byproduct of their own madness. Like you were saying, it's easy for us to misconceive uh, different types of text messages or, or emails based on, you know, because our own emotions are involved and we don't really know what they mean by that in a text. Yep. And depending on the context, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be a joke. You right, really don't which is know. why I kind of was like, you know, I always try and give people the benefit of the doubt. Even if I feel like right. this guy's, this person is like attacking me for no reason. Like I don't, I don't know them. Like mm -hmm. I've never given them a reason to dislike me. So what's the story? You know, like, and if, if they're not willing to, to clarify that, then, then I'm really sorry, but I, you know, like you said, we're all busy and I, and I want to, I want to give you a place to talk about something, but if you're just there to tear me down to make yourself feel better, then I, you know, I'm not going to respond in a way that's going to feed your anger or whatever is happening. Right. And just try and take a step back. And if I have to sever that, that tie, then, then that's what I'm, and yeah. that's the, the best way, the most peaceful and, and graceful right. way to do it. Just, I'm not going to engage. I'm just going to, just going to say thank you. You know, and, and most of the time I just try and say like, thanks for your comment. I appreciate it. Have a great day. And if it continues beyond that. I don't think there's anything wrong with blocking people. I think it's the same thing in real life. It's like if, if someone's going to, uh, for you to be able to be the best version of Paul Seibert, to be able to create the life that you truly enjoy living it has to be your way and you understand people that make you feel good and, and there's certain people you like to be around and there's friends that you're probably like, hey, I got to distance these friends because they're very negative. I love them, but they're just very negative yeah. friends and they and they suck me into their stuff and they every time I talk to them, it's just heavy and uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, in social media, even, even less, it's like, dude, you're not even, a, I don't even know you and, there's, and you're going to come into my yeah. space and, and, tr and try to to alter my peace, like I'm in a very peaceful state and you're trying to alter my peace from your com your computer, your cell phone and wherever you are, I don't think there's anything wrong with just blocking those people and moving on, bro. Life's too short to, 
to be getting, especially the trolling. I mean, I feel like so many people suffer from a lot of social anxiety and mental challenges because of trolls and giving energy rather than just being like, you know, I don't have time for you. They give energy back to trolls. And once they give that energy back, it's a dude. I've seen people just get sucked into that, you know, that back and forth with 10 awful people that they should just never, they should just blocked and gone on. with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's stuff, there's a, there's health in kind of creating those those boundaries that like this is okay, and I think you know what you were saying about uh, even having friends that are negative. I mean, I feel like if you're calling somebody a friend, you definitely want to make sure that you're having a conversation with them. Like, look, you know, I don't know what's going on, but something has changed, and if if I was a part of that, like, I'm sorry, or give them a chance to explain before you say like. You know, then I can't roll with you because this is not this is not what I'm about. Right. So I will always try and you know be as understanding because none of us are none of us are perfect beings, right? So we're 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 always we're all it. trying to uh, to grow and 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 be on this earth in a in a way that's impactful for in a positive way. So if I can, right. even if somebody is coming at me, like I'm going to try and turn the situation around for you. Until I realize, like you're not really looking for that. You're just looking for somebody to to be combative with, and I'm not. I'm not that type of dude. Right. No. Good for you, man. All right. We're coming. We're coming up on time. I got two All last right. things. First, I'm curious. So, you've done well for yourself in the photography space. If you had to go back and say you're 18 years old, let's just say let's just go at 20 for a nice round right. number. So you're 20 years old, you have $1,000 to your name, you have a camera and a laptop. What would you, and you want to be a professional photographer, you want to make money, you want to be able to create a life out of this. What would you, what would you do if you had to redo it all over again? What would those steps be that you would probably take? Wow. So where I was when I was 20, I'm really sure they had laptops back then. Um, But (laughs) when I was 20, I think I still had a beeper. I think where I would, what I would do, I think, is because music is such a big part of my life in, in, mm-hmm. at that time of my life, I would definitely, and I was always inspired by, you know, I'm a jazz musician, so um, I studied all the guys in the 40s and 50s and these incredible pictures of the people, you know, that I admired, these pictures brought them to life for me because um, they weren't around anymore, uh, so I would probably try and use the connections and, and know-how that um, my understanding of music to try and photograph it um, more. It's still something that I, I, I want to explore in the future for my own photography because I love music. I understand music. You know, when I'm hearing something, I know what's going to happen next already because, you know, a lot of songs have the same four chords over and over again. So you know when something's going to happen, you know, and to be in the right place at the right time for that. I think I definitely would 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 want to go down that road of um, being one of those photographers that captured some of those, you know, the titans of our time, you know, musically, definitely. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like more or less if you had to give advice to a younger <clears throat> version of you or someone else in that thing would would be to start with your passion. Start with something you're passionate. If you're passionate about snowboarding and you like photography, then go shoot snowboarders. 
you know, or go shoot musicians if you're super into music. And I love that advice. Uh, I think it makes perfect, perfect sense. And I've tatted, you know, I've chatted with great guys like Tanner Yeager, who's a, he loves motocross and he's built a very nice lifestyle for himself as a niche motor, you know, dirt bike photographer. And he slays it and he's known within the space. Um, and just because he may not be the largest on Instagram doesn't mean he doesn't dominate the space that he's in. And, and I love that advice. I think that's really, really beautiful advice is to just shoot something you're passionate about and you're going to enjoy it. You know, if you're in a science, then go find out how to get into science labs and be the guy in there taking yeah. the photos of the experiments and, and things like, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's really, really great advice. It's almost inspired me to want to create a whole segment around shooting your passion because I know a lot of people's photography is their passion, but it's like, what else is the the right. other thing, right? What was there before photography? Maybe you've always been in love with fishing. Cool, then go be a fishing yeah. photographer. <laughs> lots of lots of fishermen, and there's a lot of people making money. I have a guy that shoots, he does uh, bass fisherman blogs and videos, and he's wow. crushing it. That's amazing. That's yeah, hard to do, too. Funny. I mean, think about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you have to be so uh, like keyed in. Watching a guy yeah. and knowing like that's like powers <laughs> of observation to know when like someone's gonna gonna hook something and just yeah. that perfect moment where you're like whoa you know like that's insane yeah, yeah. I mean those I, absolutely I mean why not go after something that I feel like photographers yeah. especially this day and age they're all multifaceted people mm-hmm. you know like I said my plan in life is to be a musician and. Uh, as a young person in my twenties, I didn't put in the effort that I am now into photography. So one of those things that always sticks in my head, especially when I'm speaking with somebody who is younger than me and just really, you can see that there's hunger there to advance. I'm not talking about Mm -hmm. Instagram followers. I'm talking about advance in your field, right? In your craft, Mm -hmm. in your art form. Followers and Instagram are a, a byproduct and they are a tool to be used in this space, but it's not, it doesn't make you who you are. It shouldn't, it mm-hmm. shouldn't be. What I say to people is, you know, the old adage of hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I am a living example of that, of, you know, I had talent out out the wazoo, but I didn't work hard enough. So now as I'm older, um, I'm given another opportunity to express my view on how I'm seeing the world. Um, I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure that I'm where I need to be. I'm prepared. And if there's something to learn and I make a mistake, I'm not going to pout about the mistake I made. I'm going to say, Where's the lesson here? Acquire that knowledge, turn that knowledge into wisdom so that it never happens again and, and move mm. forward. Mm. Dude, I love that. That is, gosh, anyone listening to that, that's, I mean, that might be the takeaway of the episode. I think that's hard work is so important and it's so true. So many people depend on talent and looks and these other things that, yeah, don't get me wrong. It can give you a little jump start and give you a little push here and there. Uh, but at the end of the day, the dan- the most dangerous person on the planet is that quiet kid that's just every night, every day, working, working, working. And you never hear about him until, boom, here he is. And everyone's like, where did this guy come out of? Oh, he's 
he ain't a one hit wonder. He's been he's been he's been grinding for the last six yep. years, waiting for this opportunity, and now it's here. And, and you trust like, and I've seen it happen lots of times. And those guys, it's good luck catching up with them because those guys are just on a different level. There's something driving them, and so I think work ethic is so important paired with talent or not talent. Work ethic is the you know the common denominator in success uh, and happiness. I think when you work hard. You don't regret things, you know, anything that I regret in my life when I look back, it's because I wasn't working hard, which is why I regret it because I didn't give it my best. And so I'm always wondering, yep. what if I had actually gave it my all? What if I had worked harder? What if? And that eats you alive, those what ifs. And so going forward and, you know, in the last year or so, it's just been like, dude, I have to give 110% in every single thing that I do because I never want to go to sleep with anxiety and stress and fear of I didn't do this that great or wow I wish I would have been more authentic or wow I just would have been more open or tried harder or made a few more calls or whatever it may be um but when you live life at your best and you don't you know it's 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 easy to live with yourself yep. you know <laughs> yeah man absolutely absolutely and so with that said, I normally give the floor to our guests to end off the podcast. Uh, normally, they kind of leave the AOV community with something inspirational and motivational to just kind of get them excited and jacked about life. And, and, you know, you have so much wisdom and you have so much to share. You know, there's a lot of, you know, the community, obviously, we have we have guys, uh, you know, we have people, honestly, in their 60s that I talk to from the community and there's kids that are 17 and so with such a wide audience, I think at our core, we're all artists, right? And as artists, we all go through these different things and different times of our lives. And so I'm curious, uh, you know, what do you want to leave, you know, with your life and all the things that you've been through, Paul, what advice, inspiration or motivation would you like to leave this community? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I think something that... Um, has always been there in my work um, in, in, in essence, um, and it took a number of years for me to really understand it, is that as creatives, we have the opportunity to inspire, to inspire, um, to inspire hope, to bring awareness of something that's happening that people may not see because they are deep in their own lives. My, my desire personally that has translated into my professional life is as a photographer. Um, and I, and it, nothing reminds me more of, of what I try to portray in my images than when I go to, you know, I live very close to the George Washington bridge and that's where I was this morning. I woke up a little bit later than I normally would have liked to. And I saw that the elements were there that could make a great sunrise. So threw on some clothes, went out the door and I'm standing there and I'm watching the sunrise and this color kind of creep across the sky. But I'm also at the same time capturing thousands of people in cars driving to their cube and wondering, are they seeing this incredible display of nature and appreciating it? So for me, my and if you if you're a regular to my page, 
you'll see a lot of times my captions, especially if I, if I capture something incredible and I get an image up immediately, you know, my caption is always my, you know, today's everyday miracle. That's what I've coined it as there are these miracles that are happening every day. And if you just look up, look around, take a second outside of yourself to see, it could be a guy is helping a lady across the street. It could be, you know, uh, a reflection off a piece of metal that made a rainbow on another side of the building. It could be anything, whatever makes you take a deep breath in and go, whoa, be aware of those moments. So my, my personal goal is always to share those, what I call everyday miracles with the people that have decided to follow me or to, you know, subscribe or whatever we want to call it. I want to share that with people so that they understand that even in the heart and the midst of our lives, there is something always to be thankful for and to appreciate, even if we don't understand it, that can, that can take us through the day until we see the next miracle the next day. So be aware. I think that's, that's, you know, um, that's, that's what I'll say to you. Be aware, be open to seeing things that can alter the, the course of your day and your mind. Mm, I love it, bro. Be aware, open your mind, open your heart, open your soul, and catch yourself that everyday miracle. Paul Seibert, appreciate you, brother, for coming on the Thank show. Thank you so much for the time and for the, uh, for the opportunity. It's always great seeing your, your smiling face. always a pleasure man that was really good hey guys thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV podcast our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to create creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography uh, filmmaking and content creation world even entrepreneurship with that said, we picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is, if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of uh, elsewhere, and just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. Uh, so check out our website, shop.artivisuals.com. Go get some free presets. The artist presets are still for sale. If you want to support the artist, and you should support the artist, uh, just know that that money goes to them, and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure uh, here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that. But go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us, help us out. Go to Adorama.com. Peace.